Welcome to Capital City Christian Church. My name is Jeremy. I'm not Steve, as you can probably tell. Um, we appreciate you getting out here this morning and coming here to worship. Uh, please go ahead and scoot in just a little bit, just in case others come in uh, a little bit later, just to make sure there's plenty of room. Uh, that song was uh, Coat of Many Colors. It's about Joseph. I don't know if you're familiar with the story from the Bible. Joseph was gifted a coat of many colors from his father. His brothers were jealous of him for it. Some of them might even hated him for it. Joseph was different, and we're all called to be different as well, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. So continue standing, and let's continue worshiping our God.
Good morning. You guys go ahead and have a seat. We are so very grateful that you're here worshiping with us today. My name is Ben Webb. I'm an associate pastor here at Cap City. We're grateful that you braved the harsh conditions, the frozen tundra, to come and be here. I'm saying all of that sarcastically. It was not that big of a deal. You don't, you don't even deserve a pat on your back. You're fine. All right. Hey, a couple things that we want to bring to your attention, all right, that I, I think are really important, starting with this. This next Saturday is our first men's breakfast of the year. It meets the last Saturday of every month. They're starting a series called Fight from Craig Groeschel. It's on Right Now Meet if you want to check that out ahead of time. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Again, we want you to just put that on your calendars. Men, make sure you set that time aside. It's a valuable piece of the work that we do here at this church, again, to help people grow towards Jesus, all right? And so make sure that you have that one circled and be here if you can. Uh, also, this, uh, we have an event coming up February 13th uh, that's going to be used as a youth fundraiser, all right? There's lots of information. I'm going to encourage you to actually read that slide. Don't just trust me to tell you all of it, okay? But there is a comedian involved. There's a dinner involved. There's child care provided. There's costs and tickets and all those kinds of things. It's a very good opportunity for you to, uh, you know, Probably this would be a cheap Valentine's Day date, okay? Probably be good for you to do that. It'd also maybe be funny. That would be cool. Uh, you get to hang out with people from here, so that's a win, all right? And then, and then like, you can already say that you were planning ahead. That's a win. Like, women really care about that, guys, all right? And so, like, you plan ahead, do this, it's locked in, all that's good to go, all right? So, again, just kind of check that information out. There is... Uh, tickets available in the connections room, all right? So if that's something you want to jump on already, as you're leaving here, off to your left, the connections room, you can go in there and start getting tickets for that event, all right? And again, it's for our students. Our students are doing this as a fundraiser, so it even supports them and helps them out. Finally, uh, today is a, a Sunday. It's a, it's a nationally recognized day called Sanctity of Life uh, Day, and uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday. And this is something that started back in the 80s uh, with President Reagan, something that he instituted and started up. And it's something that we keep an eye on and something that we recognize every year, largely because of our partnership with, a, with an organization here in town called Avenues for Women. Uh, and so it's, it's a group that started, uh, or, or it's a day that started primarily in response to uh, the abortion rulings for Roe versus Wade. Um, and it's something that we address as a church. It's something that we care deeply about is, is, is life for all, right? Uh, but that's a good opportunity for us to remind you and to, and to celebrate some of the really good work that's happening within this church and within this community. Because it's not just about the things that we're against, but it's the things that we're for. And what we're for is women and children. And we want to help them and, and assist them and come alongside. It's not just things, things that we want to be against, but it's what we want to be for. And so we want to remind you that we've started these programs called Embrace Grace and Embrace Life. And over the last year, we've had over 15 women engage in those ministries. We've seen five women come to know Jesus for the first time in the baptistry waters, which is really cool. And uh, the help just goes so far. I mean, we're talking about helping with jobs. We're helping with, with child care. We're helping with stability. There's ways in which we're partnering with these women, not just to tell them about Jesus and introduce them to him, but actually come alongside them in community and help support them. And there's really good work happening in that, and we're grateful for that. Uh, we've partnered within the, the town of Frankfurt with, uh, with these things called baby boxes, which sounds really weird. You need to know the context, okay, because that, that sounds weird if that's all you say. But there's, it's, it's uh, the safe drop-offs. And so a, a mother who, who decides that she can't keep her child, it's a place where they can drop their child off at a fire station. The child is, is immediately, uh, or, or the fire station is alerted. The child is being able to take care of. There's no legal repercussions against the, the mother. Again, it's one of these ways in which we've partnered uh, within the community to say that we don't just care about keeping babies alive. We care about 
taking care of families. All right. And so, again, those are happening. Those there's two boxes that are going to be put in in Frankfurt here. They're both in the works and in the construction uh, phases right now. And so that's really, really cool. And then finally, we continue to partner with Avenues for Women. It's a great ministry. It's a great resource uh, for, for medical uh, help and, and assistance to, to young women. And so we want to just remind you of those things, okay? It's good work. It's good stuff. It's Sanctity of Life Sunday, and we celebrate all life, and we want to come alongside anyone that we can to help them, all right? Now, all that's kind of weird in some ways, but it's weird because we really believe in this guy named Jesus, and we really believe that he's called us to do something different, that he's called us to live differently, to think differently, to act differently, to not just fit in with what the rest of the world says that we're supposed to be or supposed to do. And we're going to unpack that a lot more here in just a moment. But before we do that, we're going to come to the table. It's a time of different kind of stuff. Okay? We come to the table and we eat a, like the smallest amount of bread that you could possibly eat and the smallest amount of juice that you could possibly drink. That's kind of weird. But it's a celebration of life is what it is. It's a celebration of a life that was sacrificed for us. And we celebrate a man who not just died, but who rose from the grave three days later. And so we come to these tables every week. We take a little bit of that bread, a little bit of that juice. We remember what he's done for us on our behalf, that he died for our sins because we couldn't fix it on our own. And so he helped us. And while we worship here at Cap City, we do a couple other things. We have these brown boxes at each of the stations. It says offering on it. That's where our Cap City family gives their first parts back to God and honor to him, gratefulness for what he's done for us. And then sometimes we feel so compelled by the love of God and, and we feel so overwhelmed with what he's done for us that we can't help but just give back even more. And so there's a white bucket on each of these stations. It's our generous bucket. It's where we give just extra and we use it to bless people in this community in ways like what we just talked about. It's the embrace grace, embrace life. It's, it's the baby boxes. These are all things that have been funded through the generous bucket ways in which we've partnered with this community. And so I want to invite you to celebrate a different kind of a thing. Come to the tables. Remember Jesus. Remember the good that he's done for you. Let's go.
Laura Johnson, and this is my husband, David Johnson. And over the last year, it's it's been a difficult road for, for both of us and our family. We were not fully devoted, didn't have our 110% faith in God. Over this road with all my medical issues and all my medical struggles, God gave mercy to us. He upsowed a miracle on me and let me live. Um, I was right there on death's door. I didn't know if I was going to be going to heaven or hell, but God showed me mercy. Um, none of us are too far to be gone. It's all thanks to God and Jesus. It, it, it was amazing that, that He gave me mercy and forgiveness, and that's brought us to where we are right now. Um, we're fully devoted to God. We, we've got our foundation. He is real. It, it's a miracle and a blessing to have Him in our lives. Um, and we just give thanks to Him every day for it. Guys, you're not going to get to see it because you're here at the wrong service, but we're going to baptize the whole family this morning. These two that you just watched on the video and a couple of kids, we're going to have four baptisms in the second service and just wanted you to know what's going on because that's what we're about, isn't it? It really is. That is so cool. <clears throat> now, the other thing I got to take care of before I get started is I've been here at the pastor for 30 years and I've never rebuked this church family. If you were not here last week, I begged, I implored, I pleaded with this church family to get on your knees at 4 o'clock on Sunday to pray for God's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Best I could figure, you guys did one of three things. Number one, some of you guys didn't care and you just blew it off. That's bad. Some of you prayed, but you prayed without faith, without passion, because the Cowboys got destroyed. And some of you have even confessed to me that you went to the dark side and prayed for Green Bay. You have forgotten that there is unforgivable sin. <laughs> Go Bills. I'm not going to ask you to pray for them. Kiss of death. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful we're here. It's by your invite, by your grace. And now we pray that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, guys, why are you here? I'm not asking why you exist. I'm asking why you're right here, right now, in a worship service at Capital City Christian Church. Why are you here? And you might be wondering the same about now. Do you want to be here? Or would you rather not? You're dragged here by somebody, dragged here by guilt, maybe, habit, obligation, fear. You know, maybe there really is a God and a heaven and a hell, all that. Maybe you felt a nudge from God, God does that. Or maybe because you have heard that the pastors here are exceptionally suave and debonair. We get that a lot. Chances are you drove by other churches to get here this morning. So why'd you stop here at Capital City? If you go to churchfinder.com and punch in Frankfort, Kentucky, you're going to find a plethora of options. They list about 85 different churches right here in the Frankfurt area, about 24 different denominations, all these different kinds of churches, African, Methodist, Episcopal, Anglican, Apostolic, Assemblies of God, Church of Christ, Church of God, Anderson, Indiana, Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, CMA, Disciples, Episcopal, Lutheran, Nazarene, Presbyterian, Roman Catholic, a boatload of Baptists, Methodists, Wesleyan, others different worship styles, different preaching styles, different agendas sometimes. 
So why Capital City? And you don't even have to leave the house to kind of go to church, right? There's TV church, internet church, and they are way more slick than we are. Professional musicians, professional tech teams, Hollywood quality cameras and operators, Broadway quality lights and sound, research teams to support their world-class communicators. They're really, really good. So why Capital City Christian? I know God wants you in church. I mean, church was God's idea, right? One of the great church fathers put it like this. Now, I know this is a paraphrase, but he said basically, if the church ain't your mama, God ain't your daddy. And I think he was right. But it didn't have to be capital city because we're weird, right? I know every church is kind of weird to outsiders, but sometimes when outsiders look at churches, they see churches kind of poking at each other. And sometimes it's not just a friendly competition. Sometimes it devolves into downright hostility. Sometimes churches vilify, exclude, mock, and condemn each other. In fact, sometimes instead of offering an alternative to people in our polarized world, it seems we're like, just like them. We're just as polarizing. It's kind of who we are right now as a culture, right? I mean, we're divided into all these camps as a culture. And we just don't like each other. Republicans versus Democrats. We're practically a war. It's almost like it would be evil to agree on anything. LGBTQ, transgender issues. More and more people are dissing the church for convictions that many of us have. And more and more churches are being torn apart from within. Out there, people are coming to blows over the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. Out there, we're fighting over immigration. We're fighting over education. What books belong in the school library? What rights do parents have to shape the schools? Public schools versus charter schools versus private schools versus home schools, school choice. People are just getting worked up. Have you been following any of the school controversies over in Lawrenceburg? How about DEI, BLM? There are people out there demanding reparations and tearing down statues for those who have been historically marginalized? I had thought that we'd made progress on racism in America, but I think that maybe now it's worse than any time I can remember. We're still fighting abortion wars. In fact, since Roe v. Wade was overturned, it's almost like it's gotten worse. People out there are fired up over climate change, environmental policies, pushing what for the other side seem irrationally radical solutions. Some of us are fired up about government overspending, taxes, inflation, debt. It's a war zone. And did you know that there are people on both sides of nearly every one of these issues in this room, side by side, kind of? So how can people who are so hostile out there be so civil in here? That's weird, isn't it? What's even weirder is that the people in this room also have serious disagreements over God's stuff, Bible, church. We not only disagree with each other on politics, sex and gender, immigration, education, climate change, the role of government, and all that stuff. We have profound disagreements over things like creation versus evolution. We've got young earth, six-day creationists in the room, and others who think that God sparked a big bang about 14 billion years ago and used evolution to craft all of this. And those sides can get pretty heated. 
We have profound disagreements over the Bible, things like inerrancy and which Bible to use. We have profound disagreements over the role of women in the church and in the church. Profound disagreements over Calvinism versus free will, things like predestination, eternal security. We have even more profound disagreements over worship styles, what kind of music is appropriate, how loud it should be, the use of theatric lights and fog, whether the worship team can wear yoga pants and go barefoot on stage. And of course, there are always disagreements over things like baptism and eschatology, which is a big word for when and how Jesus is going to come back. Spiritual gifts, I mean, Christians actually still speak in tongues and stuff like that. And the disputatious among us even fight over things like Christmas trees and Easter bunnies. The deal is, for way too many Jesus followers, what we disagree about seems to be more important than what we agree on. And that's awful. Too often, even in church, we exclude and vilify and mock and condemn each other, which is terrible. You see, our culture has accepted two lies, and these lies have infected the church. We think they're lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone, you must hate them or fear them. It's a lie. The other one is that loving someone requires that you approve of what they say or do. Both of these are nonsense. You do not have to compromise your convictions to love someone. And it is possible to pursue both truth and grace just like Jesus did. Truth with grace. Guys, as angry and polarized as people are out there, if the church is doing its job, we're going to take hits. Because the worse it looks out there, the weirder it's going to look in here. Now, we have used this descriptor before because it kind of fits the kind of church we want to be. Here it is. We believe this. We welcome those who are single, married, divorced, gay, filthy rich, black and proud, e no habla inglés. I can't have a hard time saying it, right? We welcome those who are newborns, poor as dirt, skinny as a rail. You're welcome here if you're just browsing, just woke up or just got out of jail. We don't care if you're more Catholic than the Pope or haven't been in church since your baby's dedication. We welcome those who could lose a few pounds, thank God, who think the church is flat, worked too hard, can't spell, or came because grandma's in town and wanted to go to church. We welcome those who could use a prayer right now, are three times divorced, had religion shoved down their throat as a kid, or got lost in traffic and wound up here by mistake. We welcome those who are in recovery, still addicted. If you blew all your offering money at Keeneland, you're welcome here. We welcome tourists, seekers, doubters, bleeding hearts. And we welcome you. Welcome. And if you want, we could add these. We welcome Republicans and Democrats and those who despise them both. We welcome those struggling with a plethora of sexual issues. We welcome those with an arsenal in their basement and those who think they're crazy. We think, welcome those who want stronger borders and those who think illegal is a dirty word. We welcome Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter shirts. We welcome those who are obsessed with recycling and conserving and those who don't give a rip. They're all here, guys. They're all in the room right now. You're sitting by them. You hug them. You just shared the Lord's Supper with them. Isn't that weird? And the church has always been that way. How cool is that? Do you understand why? 
So for some reason, you end up at Capital City Christian Church. Some of you have come from other Christian churches, and you're thinking, this Christian church is kind of weird. And some of you guys come from other kinds of churches, and for a lot of you, this place is really weird. Some of you guys don't come from any church at all, and you're wondering, is every church this weird? And I suppose, in their own way, most are. But we do do some things a little differently here. We're not trying to be different. We're just trying to be on mission. I sit up here on a stool, khakis and a sweater, no tie. Ben wanders more, but he's always wearing jeans and some stupid longhorn sweater, right? <laughs> Our worship team comes up here, usually in jeans. We've got these little tables around the room with tiny little crackers and cups with tiny little spotted juice. And every single week we line up for this meal when you could barely qualify it as a snack. Even if you grew up in church, you probably didn't do it like this. We have a tub of water over there. Periodically, we dunk people who want to become Jesus followers. We're going to do that in the next service, which is odd, right? And usually it's a parent or a friend or a neighbor doing the baptizing instead of one of us clergy guys, which is a little different. Our music is a little loud for some of you who grew up on church music. We have these lights and this fog machine trying to immerse you in a multi-sensory worship experience. I'll bet they didn't do it that way in your grandma's church. We avoid churchy words as much as we can, which is different. We use several different Bible translations, avoiding the ones that sound all Bible-like. We have a group of men, only men, who serve as elders of this church family, which is offensive in our culture, isn't it? Did you know that none of this is by accident. When you look at this church family, you can't see them right now because it's dark in the room, but when you look around, the lights come on. What a weird bunch of people. An odd collection of misfits clinging to each other, kind of like a family, kind of like your biological family, I bet. But we are not a family biologically. But we have people in this spiritual family who disagree with each other on almost every single issue polarizing people out there. And you multiply that with the fact that there are all these profound theological differences between people sitting in this room, sometimes even more polarizing. But listen, it's not that controversial issues don't matter. They do. It's that there is something that matters infinitely more. Do you understand that? See, guys, we believe that God meant it to be this way from the very beginning. This is what God meant for His church to look like. Let me show you two really weird verses. They were weird in that world. They are weird in ours. The Apostle Paul said, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Now, those were the kind of polarizations that caused wars back then, but not in the church. The message translates it like this. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among your, you, us, you are all equal. That is, we're all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how. In another place, the Apostle Paul put it like this. He said, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave-free. Christ is what matters. And he lives in us all. Now, do you buy that? Do you really? Are you willing to try to live it out? Because, guys, we're going to try. 
We call Capital City a Christian church, Capital City Christian Church. What's it mean? Shotville Christian Church, Peaks Mill Christian Church, Southland Christian Church in Lexington, Southeast Christian Church in Louisville. Our particular brand of Christian church, believe it or not, was born on the American frontier in the early 1800s. You know why? Because some of the Christians back then got tired of the bickering and the fighting between churches. Presbyterian versus Anglican versus Baptist versus Lutheran. There's an old joke, Emo Phillips, great joke. Some of you have probably heard it before. I'm going to tell it again because it's still funny and it fits. Here it is. I was walking across a bridge one day and I saw a man standing on the edge about to jump off. So I ran over to him and I said, stop, don't. Well, why shouldn't I? I said, well, there's so much to live for. Like what? Well, are you religious or are you atheist? He said, I'm religious. I said, me too. Are you Christian or are you Buddhist? I'm Christian. Well, me too. Are you Catholic or Protestant? He said, I'm Protestant. I said, me too. Are you Methodist or Baptist? He said, I'm Baptist. Wow, me too. Are you Baptist Church of God or Baptist Church of the Lord? He said, Baptist Church of God. I said, me too. Are you original Baptist Church of God or Reformed Baptist Church of God? He said, I'm Reformed Baptist Church of God. I said, me too. Are you Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1879, or Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1915? He said, Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation in 1915. I said, die, heretic scum, and I pushed him. <laughs> Jesus followers can get like that sometimes. One of the founders of the Christian churches was an old guy named Alexander Campbell, and he was an old light anti-burger seceder Presbyterian. Those are all splinters of churches in Scotland. He was on the American frontier. One guy put it, he was part of a splinter, of a split, of a division, of a denomination from Scotland. And they were still fighting those divisions in the American frontier thousands of miles away. And he said, and others agreed with him, enough is enough. What if we just call ourselves Christians? What if we just call our churches Christian churches? Nothing more. It's not that we claim to be the only Christians. We're not. We know that. It's just that we want to be Christians only. So someone asks, what denomination is Capital City Christian Church? Well, we're Christian. I know, what, what kind of Christian? Just Christian. Can't that be enough? Isn't there something that unites us that is bigger than all of the squabbles that divide us? And we're part of that tradition, part of that movement. So here's what it means. We are a Christian church which means that we are a church of Christ, a church belonging to Christ. This is His church, not mine. His church, not yours. The Bible says Christ is the head of the church. It's His body, which means He's our boss. It means we have no authority to change the message. We have no authority to alter how He says to do business. We have no authority to modify the membership requirements. We have no authority to modify his mission for the church. It's his church. We are not a democracy. This is not my church to lead where I want it to go. This is not your church. It's not the elders' church to shape by their preferences. It's a Christian church, a church of Christ, Christ-centered, Christ-owned. So some people are going to think we're pretty narrow here at Capital City Christian Church. You're going to hear us say things like, 
You can't choose your own path to God. Jesus is the way to God. He is the way, the truth, the life, and no one gets to the Father without going through Him. They're going to call us narrow and bigoted. And we're going to hold to that because it's His church. And it's because what, it's what He said makes a difference in how we choose to conduct our business. We will not be ruled by our traditions. We will not be ruled by the preferences of a few. We will not be ruled by the preferences of the many because it's His church, His mission, His purposes. You agree? So we're a Christian church, a church of Christ, and we are a New Testament church. This book is more than just an inspiring book to us. This is His house, and we want to build it on the principles and guidelines of the New Testament, which is our covenant with God. That means we will not teach anything that we believe is contrary to the New Testament. We will not do church in a way that violates the principles of our covenant with God. It's our guidebook for what we preach and teach. It's our guidebook for how we govern ourselves. So you'll hear me say sometimes something like this. We're going to do it God's way when we understand Him and when we don't. We're going to do it God's way when we agree with Him and when we don't. You know why? Because He's God. So when the New Testament sets a clear path, we're going to try to follow it as faithful as we can. We're a Christian church. We're a New Testament church. And because of that, we want to be a restoration church. We are a part of what many people call the restoration movement, which means as much as possible, we're going to try to follow patterns of the New Testament. We don't have a denominational headquarters. Do you know why? Because they didn't have denominations in the New Testament. You're either a Christian or you weren't. We like it that way. We don't have a district superintendent, a regional minister, a bishop, or a pope, someone out there who governs what we do here because they didn't do it that way in the New Testament. We're governed by a group of elders that you select, men who are supposed to be sensitive to his leading, not yours, because they're going to answer ultimately to God. That's scary. We do it that way because that looks like the way they did it in the New Testament church. We used to have guys and ladies here that we called deacons. We stopped calling them deacons because people misunderstood what that meant. The reason is that in most churches, deacons don't deke the way they deked in the New Testament. Because deaconing isn't about going to board meetings and voting. It's about doing ministry. In fact, that's literally what deacon means, a servant or a minister, someone who oversees ministry. So we have deacons here. Steve Smith is our worship minister, our worship deacon. Ben Webb is our connections minister, our connections deacon. I'm serving as our growth deacon. Aaron and Jess and Derek are our next-gen deacons. Alethea is our communications deacon. Because in the New Testament time, a deacon simply meant minister, a person who governed ministries in the church. We've got them. And because we're a restoration church, we try to do the sacraments, Lord's Supper and Baptism, kind of the way they did it. It's kind of weird. We celebrate the Lord's Supper every worship service. A lot of churches don't. And we are not trying to say they do it wrong, that their worship is unacceptable. But in the early church, every week, the Lord's Supper brought their focus back to first things because this is all about a God who bled for us and died for us and rose for us and who tells us to feed on Him. So every week we have this special mystical meal with our God. 
because that seems to be the way they did it back then. And because we're a restoration church, we immerse people. We dunk them. We baptize them who want to be Jesus followers. We don't baptize babies. We don't sprinkle because that doesn't seem to be the way they did it in the New Testament church. They baptized believers by immersion. And we don't just let clergy guys do the baptizing. You know why? Because in the New Testament, any Christian could baptize someone who wanted to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. So we try to do it that way. So we're a Christian church, a New Testament church, a restoration church, and we are a church that believes passionately in unity. It's huge to us. We want to be a weird, weird place that is bound together by something that's way bigger than those things that separate us. We hate the fact that churches spend more time and energy fighting each other than our real enemy. We hate the fact that so many times Christians inside churches spend more time wrangling with each other than on mission for God. The divisiveness of the church leads to spiritual impotence. Did you know that Jesus actually prayed for this church, Capital City Christian Church? Jesus said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, the 12, but I'm praying for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. He's praying for us. And here's what he prayed. I said, I pray that they will be one just like you, Father, and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I'm in you. And here's why. May they be one in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Because when we spend our energy fighting each other, the world goes to hell. So we're a unity movement. But it is not unity at all costs. There's a fifth and last piece. We believe that in essentials, essentials, there has to be unity. In non-essentials, there must be freedom, liberty. And in all things, there has to be love. 100% truth and 100% grace, no compromising either. You see, guys, a God-honoring unity is not built by pretending something doesn't matter. Pretending it doesn't matter what you believe or what you do. Some people are just kind of, let's all get along. It doesn't matter. Real unity is grounded on the fact that people bend their knees together to Jesus. Real unity comes when people surrender together to Jesus. That's the core, the non-negotiable. We surrender together to Jesus. In the non-essentials, we give each other a break. You do not have to be like me to be a Christian, thank God. You don't have to dress like me, vote like me. Think like me to be a Christian. You don't have to like what I like, listen to what I listen to, or do what I do to be a Christian. But in the essentials, we're surrendered together to Jesus as Lord. In the non-essentials, we're free. And in everything we love, powerfully, passionately, and unconditionally. That's what we want to be. A Christian church, a New Testament church, a restoration church in pursuit of unity, but never at the expense of God's truth. You like that? Guys, this really is a weird place. It is crazy to think that Cowboys and Packers fans work together side by side. <laughs> Joe Teasley. I almost wanted to kick him out of the church. <laughs> but we love Jesus more. It's crazy to think that Republicans baptize Democrats here not to change their political views, but because we know that there is something infinitely bigger. 
crazy to look around and see Hatfields and McCoys praising God together in this room. They've got different names now, but they're here. What do you think? Is this the kind of church that's interesting to you? Is it worth a shot? You don't have to buy it all yet to be a part of us. You're welcome to dip the toe in the water. You don't have to believe everything we believe or clean up your act before you try to do life with us here to explore life with God, for God, God's way together. We're glad you're here. We're glad most of you are here anyway. God certainly is. By the way, if uh, you like the kind of church we're trying to be, we've got these decals. They look like this. Christ Driven 24-7, Capital City Christian Church. We've got them out on the Welcome Center. You can put one of them on your car. Here's the deal. If you put one of these on your car, you've got to try to behave. If you're not going to behave, go find a decal from one of the other churches, okay? And put it on your car. We've also got these tiny little booklets out there. Welcome to Capital City. Just a little bit about our church. If you want more information about Capital City Christian Church, grab one of those. It's at our Welcome Center. We also have these pamphlets. Pretty good. It was put out by the Christian Standard several years ago. What kind of church is this? It's about Christian churches. If you want to learn a little bit more about the kind of church we are, you can find more of that stuff in there. So, do you want to be part of a church like this, this church? Will you help us build this church? Do you need to join a church? If you don't have a church family, you need to join some church, guys. If not Capital City, find another Christ-centered, God-honoring church and make it home. You need a church home. Well, perhaps you just need to get started on this life with God. We'd love to talk to you. If you want to talk and pray about anything, we'd love to talk to you. I'm going to sit right down there over the next part of the service. You're welcome to come down and talk. We've got an elder praying for you in the prayer room back there. After the service... Uh, ben Webb's going to be in the connections room out there. You can talk about making Jesus the Lord of your life, or you can talk about joining Capital City Christian Church. We'd love to have you. But are you willing to help us build that kind of church? We honestly believe it's what the world needs. We believe it's what we need. Will you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful that you've invited us to be a part of this magnificent thing. Father, we want, to, we want to build a God-honoring church. We want to be a God-honoring people because we think it's the best way to live. And we want to be a light to a world that desperately needs that light. Give us the strength, the courage to be people of God. We love you dearly. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.
all be seated for just a minute. We're wrapping up the series that we've been on in the last four weeks on uh, who we are as a church and what we're all about. We're going to move in a new direction. See, we believe that the most serious pandemic in the world is what some people might call a Jesus deficit disorder. Ever thought about it that way? I mean, what if Jesus really is the unique Son of God? What if Jesus really is God enfleshed? What if Jesus really is the way, the truth, the life? And what if no one is going to get to the Father without going through him? And if he is, that means that he is supreme. It means he's above all and beyond all. And it means that how we respond to him is pretty important. Jesus asked two really big questions. First question he asked is, who do you say that I am? How have you answered that? It's the most important question you'll ever answer in your life. Who do you say he is? The second one is, is pretty important as well. He asked this to Peter specifically after his resurrection. He said, do you love me? Not just who do you say Jesus is, but have you responded to him? Do you love him? Are you willing to let him lead you as he is supreme? Are you willing to go wherever he goes, do whatever he says, let him lead you however that may be? So for the next 10 weeks, it's almost kind of like Jesus is a prism. We're going to shine a light into this prism and all the different ways of looking at Jesus we're going to take one at a time just to spend the next 10 weeks celebrating Jesus. So if you're just looking at Jesus, it'll be a great 10 weeks for you. If you've been a Jesus follower your whole life, we hope that it'll be a great 10 weeks for you leading up to Easter. We're excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really good, but you have to leave. So we'll see you next week.